Due to popular demand, you can subscribe to Kiko's Freethinkers Forum on YouTube. You can watch all of our videos there on our YouTube platform. Now you can also subscribe and listen to any of our audio on Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Podvine, Podbean, Amazon, and different platforms. Please tell your friends and family, and I hope you enjoy your day, beautiful people. Good afternoon, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. Uh, this is episode 38, and we're joined by a very special guest. His name is Alex Felix, and he's um, here to represent the group United for East Palestine. Um, I pronounce it Palestine. I know some media pronounce it Palestine, and so we'll just go with that pronunciation. But um, he's here to talk about the group United for East Palestine, and just um, we're going to learn about his background as far as um, how he found out about the story with the train derailment, and just like his work that he does and this um, science fund that has also spurred from this um, disaster that's currently, it's an ongoing situation. That's the reason why I really want to bring someone on because uh, the, we combat narratives um, when it comes to the mainstream. And this is a forgotten story when it comes to their interest. And so we wanna make sure we keep these stories um, current as much as possible so people are aware and that we can help out as much as we can um, from the outside. I want to say welcome to the show, and thanks for accepting that invitation, Alex. My pleasure, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Yes, and um, again, I brought you on because this is an urgent situation. Um, it's really an emergency episode, and I just want to get a little bit into your background as far as um, like what it is that you do, what's your... Um, advocacy work, because I know you have a track record when it comes to that, um, just so my audience understands that. Absolutely. So United for East Palestine is a group that was formed by Jenna Giannis and Emily Misakia, who are both live within around the 10, 12 mile radius of the train derailment site. It was started as a Facebook group, United for East Palestine, Ohio, that was just there to try and help get resources into people who were in part of the evacuation. And from there, I reached out to them to try and coordinate a mutual aid sort of network to get resources in and people out. And because I have some experience with that, I helped coordinate mutual aid efforts during the Standing Rock um, protest back in, was that 2012, whenever Standing Rock was. Mm -hmm. um, so from there, we kind of have grown into a group that has helped with bringing in professor, people like Professor Welton and his team from Purdue University, who've been doing amazing work to get testing done. And our goal has just been to try and get as many of the potential resources that are outside available into dealing with this with this issue because the government has mostly just been working to lie and tell people that it's fine when they know that it, that it isn't and to obfuscate at every every opportunity and they've continued to let Norfolk Southern continue to just um, run the show even though they've been poisoning people so we, we've been trying to do the independent 
get the independent science done and do the work necessary to show that there is a problem scientifically so that we can force the government to actually act. Okay, so there's a couple of things that you said towards the end of the quite concerning um, as far as, um, and I commend those efforts to do an independent scientific study, but I guess my question would be, um, what has the government done up to this point as far as um, their own testing? It's unclear. The government has, uh, there's there's a lot of reasons to suspect the government has done plenty of testing that they just haven't, they haven't disclosed to, to the people. But in terms of what testing the EPA has done, very little, which is interesting because the EPA has capacity to do all of these tests. They just haven't done it. And they they released an, an official document, but a lot of the tests weren't even run by the EPA. So it, it's just, um, yeah, it, most of it's being done by outside firms who have a history of of, of saying whatever, whatever the government wants them to say and tell them everything's fine um, when they know that it isn't. And to run faulty, do faulty testing, faulty analysis, unscientific um, research, just to tell people that it's fine to get the answers that they want instead of to find out what the answers actually are. Before we go into some of the environmental um, issues that are going on right now in the area, I want the audience to get um, just more or less some context when it comes to the actual development itself, because I can't assume that people know the full details of the story. I know I've heard about it some in the mainstream media, like when it happened, I think in early February when it first happened, but I really haven't heard much since then. I just know that there was a train development, but um, what type of an area are we talking about as far as how much um, that derailment affected? Uh, we're talking about an area from, I mean, we have evidence that it reached as far as Ontario, Canada. You know, we have Airbnb said recently with people up in upstate New York who tested positive for um, the muscle test for vinyl chloride exposure. So this is a gigantic plume that went over the entire Northeast, and there's still a lot of science and research needs to be done to find out exactly how that happened, why, and um, how to how to mitigate the the the, the fallout. Okay, so yeah, so there was a plume. Um, I know that was all over um, the media as far as those patients are concerned. Um, as far as that's um, concerning the media, is there anything that was represented when the story initially happened that is completely false or something that's misleading to people um, compared to what you've interpreted? Misleading, all of it. Um, well, the thing that the government did was they came out and they said, well, we're continuing to monitor, which is a way for them to say, we're not going to do anything. Um, but they don't, we're not going to say we're not going to do anything. We're not going to say we're not going to get people evacuated. We're not going to say this isn't safe. What they'll say is we're continuing to monitor and we yet have not yet found evidence of poisoning. Now, the reason they haven't hadn't found evidence of poisoning was because they weren't really looking for it. Um, and they did find evidence, but they, and they ignored the evidence that there was there. Um, like when you go into the house, they had they all, people's houses had very intense chemical smells that they ignored, and they said it was fine because the it was not the type of machine you would need to use to detect the sort of chemicals they needed to look for wasn't going off, and so because of that, they said, "Hey, we're we're doing tests," which they were, but they weren't doing the tests they needed to do, which they knew. Um, and then they said, "We're continuing to monitor the situation," while ignoring the clear signs of of a problem. So that and that that's basically been their whole role this entire time, and what the community has been trying to push back against has been 
um, just attempting to push back and get to to really show that there is a problem and to force the government to answer these questions. And it's it's been an it's, it's an ongoing process and it's going to continue to be an ongoing process, which is unfortunate because. You would think that the EPA's role by their name would be to protect the environment, but their role seems to be to protect the corporations and the industrial polluters. Yep, 100%. And um, this is where the politicking and um, the capitalism and stuff just intersects. And uh, we've talked about a lot about this on the forum, just um, the lobbies um, regarding things that are supposed to be um, firsthand priorities like the environment, nature, human beings, um, chemical spills, anything to that degree. And um, we see this, uh, it's about protecting the company first before anything else is even discussed. And um, regarding the company in question, Norfolk Southern, I think is the name of it. I was looking at their side and what concerned me is um, they basically have a PR campaign going on right now. And that's why I asked you the question earlier about like, has the EPA actually tested? Because I was confused when I first saw their little PR stuff because I was thinking, is that the EPA doing the testing? Like, how are they able to make these claims about um, things are fine? We've tested the water. There hasn't been any sign that the water isn't safe. I mean, they're putting all this stuff in their site right now to, to get ahead of it, apparently. And they're talking about how they're supporting the community. And they have a $28.5 million um, community support fund or something. I mean, they say that the air is saved, the water is saved. So how are they able to make those kind of claims when you said yourself that the EPA hasn't even tested the area? Well, because they haven't, they've been very careful in their language. They haven't said it. it's safe. What they said is we haven't found evidence of, mm -hmm. of, of chemical toxins. Mm -hmm. And the reason they haven't found evidence is because they haven't been looking really so they've been very careful in the way they frame things to be misleading without saying anything that is objectively a lie. Yeah, they're saying here daily air monitoring continues to show that the air in East Palestine is safe. Air monitoring has been performed by both the EPA and independent teams of science. The EPA? Was that? Is that the EPA saying that? That's what. That's what. The railroad company is saying that's what North. So that's North, see, Norfolk Southern and EPA are different. So Norfolk Southern, right, right, is is not made is not. And Norfolk Southern again isn't saying that it's safe. What they're saying is, the air monitoring is saying it's safe because the air monitoring that they're doing isn't showing anything dangerous. Mm. So they're very careful in the language they use because they are using, they're they're using. The, they're playing with the words to paint a picture that is false without saying anything that can be objectively proven as false. So they're saying the air monitoring is showing it's safe because the air monitoring isn't picking up, you know, whatever, and they're not the ones saying it. So it, it, that's what I'm saying. The EPA is working as as a as a protection uh, organization for Norfolk Southern to paint this picture to the people that isn't actually accurate. And Norfolk Southern can say, look, it's not us, the EPA is saying it's safe. And the EPA isn't technically saying it's safe, but they're saying they're not doing the right testing and their they're testing is showing, they're doing it showing up in a way that is designed to not find things. And then um, saying that we have found anything, which the EPA say, hey, they're not finding any, finding anything. Mm -hmm. And so, so it just creates a false narrative. 
Yeah, it does. Um, like you said, just um, very concise, brief, not a lot of detail whatsoever, but just almost taking an official type of um, tone. Like, like we have this under control. Like this is, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're following all the protocols. Um, and, and that's, and, and like, and like you said, it's very skeptic just looking at something like that that caused a disaster. And you're thinking, why would they be concerned about getting ahead of it so quickly? Um, if there isn't some kind of a, um, collusion going on. I mean, that's definitely the way it reads to me. That's why I refer to it as a PR campaign. I mean, it's exactly what it is. Um, and I want to talk some about um, the people who are actually, yourself included, they're helping to get this um, independent testing done with the United for East Palestine Independent Science Fund. Can you tell the audience what that is exactly? And um, who does that entail? And, and what exactly has been done with those um, findings? Well, right now we've been working with Professor Welton and his team from the university. They have put out some preliminary findings based on some of the tests they've done. The issue is that a lot of it is very expensive. So we've been trying to raise funds because it requires a lot more funding than we have. Uh, the Purdue University, they've just managed to, uh, they're, they're halfway towards raising $25,000, which would only just pay for the first weekend that they spent. They've spent several more weekends ever since then. Um, so the budget, and we've got Professor Galam and her team at, at University of California, San Diego, who are trying to get the funds up to do blood testing. There's just a lot of testing that needs to be done, and you know they're they're looking for grants right now, but it's just a slow process. We've been trying to raise money, but that process has been slow too. We've raised about three thousand dollars, which is maybe ten percent of the way that we need to do to really do anything, because you know to get any of these tests done you have to pay for there's a lot you know some of these tests just to test themselves just the just the gas you need to perform the chemical analysis and some of them cost hundreds of thousands of dollars it's just per per test uh so the amount of money we need to run like even one panel is like twenty five thirty thousand dollars <laughs> so the we're trying well, our goal is a hundred thousand dollars um and we're about three percent of the way there so we still have a long way to go, but we're trying to hopefully get into a space where we have enough people knowing about it. Maybe people can share enough people sharing it that we can get the funding we need to to actually get the testing we need done. That's the that's the concerning part. I mean, you think a hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of money for especially for working class people, but the attention that the story initially got conventional wisdom would think that some pretty prominent people saw that message. And um, that's the concerning part is that, I mean, we have people with lots of resources and money and $100,000 for some of those people isn't much at all. It's not asking for much at all. And um, to me, that's just very concerning that um, there hasn't been any kind of, um, obviously you haven't heard anything from those people because otherwise it would have already been accomplished. Um, so this sounds like it's not only a um, a government problem, uh, but it's also a condemnation against working class people. Um, because I think if this I don't, I don't know if I, would, if I would agree with that. I think a lot of it is a lot of people just aren't aware of the work we're doing. 
was that what was that you said? I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it that the sort of people who have the, uh, access to resources to do this just aren't aware of the work we're doing, which is why we, we're going on as many shows as we can trying to put the word out because we just don't have a lot of reach right now. You know, we have a Twitter page with like almost a little over 500 followers. We've got the Facebook group that's got a few thousand followers, but anytime we post, it gets suppressed. And um, so that, you know, we just don't have the kind of reach. Like we, it's not like we have a Twitter or Instagram with hundreds of thousands of followers. If we did, we wouldn't have this problem. We probably would have raised already the money within a week or so. You know, it's not, it's just, it's just an issue of us just lacking the sort of organizational outreach necessary to raise that funds. So, so far, so that's what we've been building is trying to make people aware of the work we're doing and what we're doing so that we can get the word out about, about what we're doing, to try to tackle the problem. I'll definitely make sure to link that information into the episode description so people know where to donate as far as um, the money's concerned. What has been the largest um, platform you've been able to get on yourself or anyone that's associated with United for East Palestine? We were able to get on the Jimmy Dore show. You were on Jimmy was, Dore? Uh, mm -hmm. um, wasn't Jenna initially on Fox News? Yep, Jenna was all, Jenna's been on Fox News. Um, so has Emily. Emily's been on Newsmax. Jenna and Emily have both been on Newsmax. Jenna was on CNN. Um, yeah, we've been on some pretty pretty large networks but um there were four interviews that were more informational about what's going on and less about what we we're trying to do about it so we've been trying to use those opportunities to make people aware of our organization so they can be aware of how what we're trying to do to address the situation mm, i got what you're saying okay so this this fund started basically when the derailment happened and I heard you say in another interview that you found out about it pretty quickly. And yeah, um, where, where does that come into play as far as um, like your background when it comes to that? So I have a lot of organizing background and I've helped campaign other grassroots campaigns get going and get started. And I've participated in other grassroots campaigns. So I have some experience in this. Um, I reached out to Jenna and Emily because I'm signed up to the United for East or Railroad Workers United newsletter. So I found out about this train development pretty quickly. So I reached out to Emily and Jenna as soon as I could um, because I was just interested in trying to help however I was able to. And after that, we just kind of became a team. And from there, we've we've just been working together to try and try and coordinate resources. How common are these um, situations with train derailments? Very common. There's like one. There's like there's like multiple train derailments per day. Oh wow. Hmm. And yeah, this this event is this event is unusual, not because of the only thing unusual about this event is that they set it on fire. So that that there were toxic chemicals, explosives town, that they put it in the river and the and the air and the soil. None of that is unusual. That that happens everywhere all the time and is swept under the rug. It's why the government has been sweeping this one under the rug because that's just business as usual. The only significant outlier, outlying event about what happened here was that they set the plume on fire, which is which created this big dramatic smoke plume that people saw, and that's why it went viral. Which is the only reason why the media, the corporate media, even covered it. Mm, so they burned it. Why did they do that? Um, 
the official story is because they thought it would explode, but now it's coming out that they didn't actually think that because there was no reason to think that. So it's looking more and more to me like insurance fraud. Like it was just easier for them to burn it and cheaper for them in terms of insurance than it would have been to have to clean it all up without without getting many, many money back on the insurance. I saw um, what Aaron Brockovich was visited the area. So some other prominent people have visited the area. Um, mm -hmm. As far as your knowledge is concerned, I mean, I, I don't want to get too political on the pod. I mean, this is a, a pod with culture and politics, but um, without you having to say stuff um, about it, has has this President Biden, has he visited the area? Because I know initially he had said that he was going to go, but he hadn't gone um, in the month of February. Has he gone to your knowledge? No, and I don't think he's planning to. Um, he might have if the story had stayed in the media, but since the corporate media has basically forgotten about the story already, there's not really much pressure for him to go, at least not right now. Um, either way, it, it, it wouldn't have, I'm not sure, I, I would, I, I'm not sure it would have made any, a lot of difference. Uh, Obama went to Flint, Michigan and did nothing. He gassed everybody and told them it was safe. So Very I, I, even if, even if Biden had gone, it's not like he would have done anything besides just continue the gaslighting anyways. So, yep. you know, the, the, we don't need politicians to come to East Palestine. We need politicians to get people out of East Palestine. Which goes to a question I had. Um, so you mean to tell me that there was no evacuations at all that were in place when that happened? But did anyone leave at all? There was an evacuation around the one... There was an evacuation around the one mile zone, but we need people still need to be evacuated. The area is still not safe, and the government is refusing to acknowledge that fact. And I'm not saying people need to be kicked out of their homes, but the government needs to be clear about what's actually happening and needs to tell people that what's actually happening. Yeah, so um, initially one mile, and as as from the reports, I've heard people in Pennsylvania have gotten affected by it. I mean, you said the plume itself. There have been effects all the way up into Ontario, um, mm -hmm. in Canada. Well, yeah, and and the train derailed less than a mile from the border of Pennsylvania. So this is impacting people as many people in Pennsylvania as it is, as it is in Ohio. Mm, yeah, um, and you say you're not from that area, right? No, I'm not. I I just help with a lot of the online organizing and coordination. Is is that um? a main stop when it comes to the trains there? Or was this just like an occurrence that happened to happen in that area? Because um, I, I don't know how the industry and stuff is set up there in East Palestine, but um, it sounds like it's a relatively remote area. I'm not sure I would call it remote. It's on the East Coast where, you know, populations are pretty dense. It's rural, but it's, 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 part it's in the area where there's a lot of train traffic i'm not an expert on this on, on trains or on um how that whole system works but there are people you can definitely interview who could give you more information about that but it, it's um it's definitely part of a larger railway hub where there's a lot of movement of 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 toxic chemicals from place to place it's, it's in between a lot of a lot of those um, big facilities. And looking at something that was going back to the company in question is Norfolk Southern. They, um, who's responsible, I guess, um, 
because I agree with the assessment of, of, of Biden or whatever. I mean, it's basically just a, you know, whatever figurehead, um, you know, that's not going to really do anything. I mean, but I guess it would be common decency just to um, have the president of the United States um, show that it's an urgent situation. But like you said, I mean, this has happened in the past um, to no sort of avail when it comes to these natural disasters and, and human caused disasters, company caused disasters. They mentioned the Ohio Attorney General Yost. Um, who really is the person who should be taking the initiative when it comes to this situation? Is the governor, um, who, who's gonna be responsible for this ultimately when it comes to um, taking control of the people that you need to reach out to as far as in the political sphere? I think there just needs to be nonpartisan organizing um, mm -hmm. to figure out the solution and then organizing to pressure the government to act. It can't be based around any sort of political party or political person. It has to be totally nonpartisan and just based around fundamental agreements of the needs of society, which is to have clean air, clean water, and clean soil. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's where, um, and, and this to me is what makes all these types of situations just that much worse is that, that um, we're messing around with human life and we're politicizing it. And um, from from my vantage point, I didn't even have to read the story a whole lot, the news a lot, to realize that this this seems like it has political ramifications. Um, we have this presidential cycle going on. We have all these elections coming up, and it seems like the priorities just aren't with the pe with the people. Um, to me, a sitting president not to to visit something that's been this visibilized um, is a political act in itself. And I just, I don't know that, that that's, that's a very concerning is, is the word that I keep um, finding because um, it is just concerning just um, that the EPA should be the group that's really leading this charge to, to do something about the local area. And, um, and I know that people are being affected by this, not because of necessarily water, but also just the air. Um, I know there had to be reports of people being affected by this, the local residents. And that's kind of where I want to conclude this interview with um, sharing with the audience what you've learned from the community people themselves, because um, I listened to your panel. There was a community panel, I think it was three weeks ago or so. And there was a lot of interesting information being shared there with um, the professors and the people who are going to test the area what are the residents saying as far as like, what are they talking about as far as um, are they complaining about rashes? Like what's exactly happening? People are reporting symptoms from rashes to blood coming out of their nose and ears, vomiting, diarrhea. Um, the list goes on. Uh, <clears throat> Flu-like symptoms, breathing problems. Uh, we have a, a, a informal survey that 100, 120 people almost have filled out. Uh, so we know these, these symptoms range as far as 20 miles away. There's people who are all the way in Ontario, Canada, reporting symptoms of toxic chemical exposure, um, reporting smells similar to formaldehyde. <clears throat> and um, there's just no none of the testing that's being done to find out if these chemicals are being exposed. And a lot of them are being released and already been absorbed in uh, with the long-term impacts of, of, of 
the exposure to these chemicals remains to be seen. We don't even know what chemicals they've been exposed to, and there isn't being any testing done on their blood. There's no blood sampling. There's no, tox no, there's no toxicology. There's no chemical testing. There's none of the actual science that is available to be done to find out what the problem is and how to treat it. None of that's happening, and there's no there's no efforts being made by the government to make sure people get treated. Um, and there is an ability for them to do that if they found out there's a problem or through an extant bill that's already passed as part of the in, in, in the Obamacare. Uh, <clears throat> there is a clause that gives the government the ability to grant everyone um, free Medicare for life if they're exposed to injuries due to toxic chemicals in the environment, where, um, which could easily be transferred to this as long as the testing is done to prove that it is that, that, that they were impacted by it. And there's just, there's just it, there's there's just and at all levels it's so corrupt that there's the the government has been acting to prevent people from prevent any of these these machinations to help people from even being activated. That's why they've been working overtime to convince everyone that there's no problem at all. I, I I guess from from my vantage point, if I'm looking at this, um, it's is like I said, it is very much um, a story that when I heard about it, it really stuck for, for, for a while when it initially happened, but, it, but all of a sudden it just very, it changed over quickly. Like I didn't hear anything about it again. And, um, are there other people, other groups involved with this? Is it just United for East Palestine or are there other groups that are doing mutual aid work? There's River Valley organizing. They've been fantastic. Um, we have the unity council. There's other individuals who've been working uh, doing a lot of fantastic work for people like um, Zhuzha, Jamie. There, there are a lot of oh, there's a lot of awesome work that's being done, but <clears throat> we need we need um, to formulate a cooperative coalition of organizations all over who can address this problem to address this problem to properly address this problem. Yes, and. Um... Like you said, this is really this is developing um, because when we talk about the consequences, the health consequences, they may not even be immediately visible now. They may be down the road. There may be some problems um, when we talk about this exposure to these chemicals. Mm -hmm. um, when is the actual so so when the hundred thousand dollars is raised? Where does that go again? Just just to clarify that, and and what I guess will be the 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 plan after that initial hundred thousand dollars is met. So we have a spreadsheet budget. Well, we'll update any expenditures. Will it will go towards everything we can to try and support independent testing and getting answers for people and then getting the word out. We have a mapping team. We have team from Purdue. We have Dr. Galam. We'll spend the money as best as we can to make it go, make every dollar go as far as we can to getting the right answers, getting the answers we need, uh, and then getting information of what of this, getting this information out, out, out to people. And so we have a spreadsheet where you can see how every how we how every dollar we spend. Mm -hmm. And and just thinking about some of these issues in the past, I mean, Aaron Brockovich was there. Um, there's probably going to be some need for for attorneys 
we're not just we're not doing anything with there are attorneys that are there's class action lawsuits but we're not dealing with any attorneys and in, okay. in my personal opinion attorneys are not there to help they're they're vultures they're just part of the ecosystem they aren't there to solve the problem they're just there to take advantage of the fact that the problem happened to increase their own bank accounts not not knocking anybody uh for the efforts they've done but i haven't seen any of these people who've come in made a big deal about the fact they're coming in actually working with the community and staying to work with the community to help those impacted to get people evacuated their whole goal has been they're filing a lawsuit they're just trying to make money in my personal view that's right. not that is not representative of our organization that's just how I, how i see it no um no, that's fair. I mean, it's totally fair. I was just, um, and that's maybe looking ahead, but I mean, it sounds like they're, they're already on it, which is, um, that in itself is, um, it's, it sounds like a, a an opportune, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to, I just mentioned the litigation because it sounds like this is may carry on or has the potential to carry on for a very long time, especially with um, the corporation. Yeah, there's going to be a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. There's going to be there. There are class action lawsuits that are already happening, but the way class action lawsuits work is, the lawyers take the lion's share. They take like thirty percent or whatever, and they divvy up the rest amongst you know thousands of people. People will maybe see five thousand, two thousand, a thousand dollars. Not much. Might meanwhile, lawyers who work on it will make millions, and that's. That's that's why they do it. Their whole goal is to make as much money as possible. They tell you they'll tell you that they're there for you, but these people are all it's a bunch of millionaires coming into town telling you that hey we're on your side, but they're not actually doing anything to work with the community. They're not actually helping anyone. They came in and left. They're going to come in again and leave. They're they're just seeing this as a as a it's like the gold rush for them. So they're they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're standing somewhere else where someone where someone struck oil, so they're just coming in to build, dig their well, and get as much money out as, as they possibly can. Yeah, um, it's hard to argue anything you said. I mean, and um, you know, when I was thinking to conduct this interview, it's is definitely outside of some of the other the other interviews I've had in the past. Um, which it is informative. This is informative. Um, it's just that it's also very new too, and it's a, it's an ongoing crisis. But um, just the human emotion and the pain and everything else that that involves with this, I think, is what makes it a lot harder too compared to some of the other episodes. It's not like reading a story or a book and analyzing it. This is a completely different situation. We're talking about real people, um, a community of people. And they're basically being ostracized right now because of this um, stupid political game that's being played right now um, by the government and, and the, the local officials all the way up to the national ones. And uh, I want you all to come back on if there's some kind of significant update just so my audience is up to par. And um, and I'll try to do as much as I can to help. And um, I will spread the word as much as I can. Um, we have quite an international audience with Kiko's Freethinkers Forum, um, a third of our listeners are from outside of the United States. So um, money is money at the end of the day. And um, those people would be able to donate too, right? There's no limitations when it comes to that, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've had people donate all the way from Greenland. Uh, not from Greenland, um, Sweden. And that's, and that's wonderful. So yes, um, 
I will definitely um, put all the information into the description. And just to make sure it's the right link, is it the one that's on your Twitter page? Yep. Okay. And so when I link this episode, I want to make sure I link your Twitter page because that's how I found out about you. Is the Facebook group just as big as the Twitter? Uh, our our Facebook group actually has like almost 9,000 um, oh, followers. Wow. Okay. But it's a group. It's not a page. So there's a lot a of people who aren't. Yeah, it's not like a lot, most of the information you see wasn't put out by our organization. We have a Facebook page at United for EP, same thing, that has like – 200 followers i think um so we're as an organization we're still we're still trying to get kind of off the ground in terms of people knowing about us okay and um and i i looked into this too um because i i, I know a lot about mutual aid and just um the way those networks and how they work sometimes and um I think it's very it's smart to do these interviews, not only because it gains trust with the public and um, the fact that I saw you talking to community leaders and other people within the community, like that's the reason why I reached out to you because there have been people in the past that have used these types of crises to, to benefit themselves. And, and I think that's where the public is also, you know, they may have their guard up some. And so I want to make sure their guard is lowered as much as possible because, um, it's hard to trust people when your own government doesn't do things for the people. And but I want to make sure and assure my audience that um, no, Alex is doing great work. He has done great work, and the United for East Palestine group is a legitimate group. And what was the other group you mentioned earlier? River Valley Organizing. River Valley Organizing, and um, and I may link their stuff in the description as well. Just um, whoever is um in the positive direction doing work for the people, that's where I want to be. Um, do you have any other information you want to share with my audience before we um, depart today? Sure. Uh, well, just on the note um, of transparency, I'm the executive director of United for East Palestine. We have a board of directors. I'm not on the board. All members of our board live within the area. Um, Jenna Gianos, Emily Masakia, and Aaron Brack are the board members. I don't have any direct access to the funds. The board has access to the funds. I just say where I would like to see it go and that's all subject to approval so I don't have any access to the money I work in I'm doing this on an entirely volunteer basis I'm not getting paid anything to do this um neither is anyone on our team so we have just been trying our main goal has been trying to get people evacuated get the government to be get um accountable hold people accountable hold government and Norfolk Southern and anyone else uh, responsible accountable for what's going on and there to be transparency uh, and open and clarity and scientifically rigorous testing regarding this event and how to mitigate the response, how to mitigate the impact and how to help people um, navigate the response in a way that leaves them whole financially, health-wise, emotionally, et cetera. Absolutely. And what would be the quickest way um, in case a member wanted to reach out to one of y'all directly, one-on-one, um, -on -one, what would be the, the most efficient way to reach out to one of y'all? Uh, email alex at united4.org. It's U-N-I-T-E-D-F-O-R.org. Um, messages on DM, DM us on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, 
You can also email um, unitedforep at gmail.com. Absolutely. Um, Alex, again, I wish you met under better circumstances. Um, and, but this is reality. And sometimes, you know, you, you have to talk through reality. Um, and I've tried to reach out to um, people in the past when it comes to these types of issues and the accessibility has been an issue. So this makes me feel good knowing that people are willing to to come on camera and do interviews and stuff. Because like I said, I, I don't think any of this um, can be anything but a positive. Um, the more eyes on it, the more possibilities um, for solutions. And so that's the way we want to kind of take it um, solution based and um, and be as active as possible. But um, again, I appreciate you, Alex, and you have an open invite to come on whenever you need to um, share any more information with my audience. And uh, I appreciate you coming on to Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. Awesome. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate you having us. Oh, my gosh. She called me by my real name. No, but I'm just way. Um, people know my real name right now. They, I got exposed in episode three. But um, I um, want to say beautiful people. Um, this is episode 38 with Alex. Um, that represents United for East Palestine. And um, make sure you all are sharing this information with your friends and your family. You don't know who this could affect. Um, so make sure you just share it as much as you can. And uh, we got to get this viral. We got to keep um, this story as current as possible. It is a current story. We got to keep it visualized because we know that the mainstream media has no interest in um, optimizing um, things when it comes to everyday people. And so we want to make sure that this is a persistent thing. But thanks again and beautiful people. Enjoy your days. And um, tomorrow we're going to talk with Margaret Kimley from Black Agenda Report. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll talk soon. Cheers.